now it is finally time for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Our review followed by our deep dive into the implications, the MCU implications for you know this film and, and what it could mean. But first we're going to talk about the movie. Um, it's, you know, it's the first... I was trying to figure out how to word this on social media earlier. I was like, this is the first new character solo film that we've gotten in the MCU since Captain Marvel, which, you know, came out in 2019. So it doesn't, it's really not that long ago, but it feels like, I mean, how long ago does Captain Marvel feel like for real? Decades. So long. We all have lived a lifetime in the past two years. So it really does feel like a completely different era. I mean, you know, you have BC, AD. I mean, you'll also have BP before pandemic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, this, this is where, this is where I feel that we're that we're going to mark time. Yeah, oh yeah. man, it does feel like a long time. It does, and and it was like I think that one came out in like February of 2019. So yeah. it really has been like a pretty chonky two years, not just like barely two years or something. Like it's been a hefty one. Um, so yeah, this is this is this was big, and it did not release on Disney Plus. We talked about the box office performance, which I want to talk about that quickly because you and I saw it in theaters. I got to take my wife to go see it a second time. The theaters were packed. Everybody was wearing their masks and doing everything they needed to do. But this is a huge win for cinema that this movie did well. This is a huge win because. In my opinion, it virtually ensures that Eternals is a theatrical-only release. I would be shocked if they put it on Disney Plus at this point. Um, and Spider-Man: No Way Home, I don't think is getting delayed. I think they're going to stick with it because it's it has proven the viability of it. And in fact, just today, and I didn't even want to talk about it during the what's popping because this stupid release date for Venom has moved so much. But Venom has now moved their release date back up to October 1st. So it was originally, I shouldn't even say originally, but when they released the trailer, it was going to release on September 24th. Then they moved it back to October 15th and everybody was saying, oh my gosh, they're going to move it to January. Shang-Chi comes out, slays at the box office. They move Venom back up to one week after its original release. I'm like, what is happening at Sony? Like seriously, what is happening? It's like me trying to decide a, what to eat for dinner. It's it's horrific. They have a toddler playing with the dates. Yeah, like, I think Whoa. they've got a goldfish, and, and it just it there's like they've got dates around the tank, and they just like watch it all day to see which one it swims towards, and they're like, ooh, yes. that's it, that's the pick. It's outrageous. But anyway, this is a huge win for traditional cinema. This is a huge win for the theaters, uh, of which we are avid supporters. And so uh, it's very exciting. It's all very, very exciting is what I mean to say. (laughs) But let's go ahead and talk about this movie, a movie we've been waiting to talk about for so long. It is actually my turn to synopse. So this movie is called Shang-Chi. Say it with me, everyone. Shang-Chi. Not Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And what this movie is about is a character named Shang-Chi who has uh, a a difficult past, which includes him witnessing the murder of his mother at the hands of a gang that rivals his father. He's got a father who is the head of this international, um, you know, organization called the 10 rings that sort of does business with an iron fist. And so they have enemies. His mother ends up dying. He's asked by his father to 
you know, finish the job on the guy who, who killed their mother or who was responsible for her killing. And he runs away, you know, he gets sent on this mission to do this as, as a, you know, an agent of the 10 rings. And he runs away to America to live his life. Uh, he lives under an alter ego. His name is Sean instead of Shang Chi. They make jokes about that in the movie. Um, he becomes friends with, uh, Katie who's played by Aquafina, And then, um, you know, his past catches up with him as these things do. He, fi- he finds out that his dad is, you know, trying to get after him and, and his sister, he goes back to China and, um, you know, finds out about this whole, you know, he's relearning about this, uh, mystical land called Ta Lo, where his father now believes his mother who he watched die. He believes his mother is trapped there. And so Shang-Chi is trying to beat his father to Ta Lo so that he can protect the ancient land um, before his dad arrives and tries to bust his mother out of Ta Lo, where she's actually not at. So um, I explained that in the most confusing way humanly possible, so hopefully you guys were tracking. But that's Shang-Chi in The Legend of the Ten Rings. Booyah. And the Ten Rings are an organization, but they're also like physical rings. Like they're powerful enchanted rings that give the wearer um, eternal life as long yes. as they're wearing it and also just like insane um, I don't even know how you would call Agility, it. Agility, like, endurance, um, pro- like protection, right? Like armor basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, yeah it, it, gives you, it gives you all kinds of different things you can do with it. And, spidey and, sense. I think we can safely say it gives you spidey sense. It gives you every superpower that there is. No, right. but um, they, they do have lots of different mystical powers. So it's very interesting. Anything on yes. this Kirk? No, that's everything. Uh, when uh, the first part you said that he leads with an iron fist, not to be confused with <laughs> the man leading with the physically iron fist. <laughs> with iron fist, the superhero, like holding him in front of him, <laughs> like actual iron fist. Yeah. <laughs> like Danny Rand, <laughs> go fight them. Like, you know, he's not, he's not like a slave to them or anything. No, he is uh, dealing with an iron fist because he, <laughs> he is eternal. Uh, he has eternal life. He's lived for, I think they say over a thousand years. years old. Over, <laughs> he said, over a thousand years is what they, say so well i heard that wrong okay. <laughs> it's all right Kirk. there was a lot of information being thrown at us in this movie plus i had the benefit little, of seeing it twice so there that's right that as well that's right and the last tidbit i would say is some of the we'll get into it but man is it way better than iron fist marvel Ooh. netflix fighting because this crew actually does know martial arts they actually yeah, did train to improve their skills Unlike the lead actor in Iron Fist. Dude, those stories coming out of that show about the lack of training and everything is mind-blowing. And it makes so much more sense why that show sucked. Yes. Um, Wow. Yes, much better than that. Much, much, much better than that. But let's get into it, Kirk. I'm excited. We're going to start with... um, we're going to start with, as we always do, our Oscar. And the Oscar goes to, which is our best actor. And I'm kicking us off... And man, I have struggled with this. I have struggled <laughs> with this hard because I I love many of the acting performances in this movie and I think they all have merit. And, you know, we only pick two, so there are some people who are going to be left out. But without further ado, my Oscar is going to Miss Tony, Mr. Tony Learn, uh, which is actually... <laughs> 
I listen, I've been reading about how to pronounce these names for like weeks. Okay. <laughs> so if you're pronouncing his name in Chinese, you would probably pronounce it Tony Leung, but he is a Cantonese performer. So what I have read is that the, the pronunciation of his last name is closer to the word learn with a G on the end of it. But the G is like a Cantonese G where it's kind of silent. So it's like a learn. Okay. Now wow. I am very Anglo-Saxon white American. So <laughs> I probably still butchered that, but I, I promise I am trying my best. Anyway, this guy, Tony Learn, he has been slaying the Hong Kong film scene for many, many years. And he is a, he is a personal favorite of um, acclaimed Hong Kong director, Wong Kar Wai, who directed The Grand Master, which actually made its way over to the U.S. for a wide release whenever that movie came out in 2013 about Ip Man, who was the trainer of Bruce Lee. But anyway, he's, you know, Wong Kar Wai is a legend in, in Hong Kong cinema and has worked with Tony Learn as, you know, think of it as like Scorsese and De Niro, you know, like these, this like, you know, creator and muse type of relationship. So he's been involved over there and hasn't really um, had many chances to break through in Hollywood, I think just because he was having so much success in Hong Kong. But anyway, he plays Win Wu, who is the, father of Shang-Chi and his sister, Xiaoling. And he just kills it. I mean, holy <laughs> cow. I was just like at every turn blown away by the performance. This was the most perfect casting choice in the world because Marvel, the one thing Marvel consistently gets criticized for is the strength of their villains as characters. And the way this character was written was phenomenal. But the way this character was performed was next level. This guy gave such an incredibly honest performance. You could feel that he loved his kids. He created such a deeply rich character who really was felt guilt for his past and the way that he lived his life and the way that he ruled. Also felt guilt for the way that his, um, his wife died while he was away, felt guilt for the way that he raised his kids, but had this conflict between like, oh, if I had been living my life the way that I was, this would have never happened. But if I hadn't, then I wouldn't have my, if I had done that, then I wouldn't have my family. And he truly believes throughout the movie that he's doing the right thing, as all villains should. They should have a great <laughs> motive. Um, so the writing was there and the acting was way there. I mean, you, I could not take my eyes off of this guy when he was on the screen. And the moments that he created with his children felt so authentic, so real. Um, it was phenomenal. It, it was phenomenal. The character development was great, and I think he was he was a, a true scene stealer, but was so good that he was actually the best actor in the entire film. Um, so for me, it's it's Tony Leung. I I love the performance, and uh, I hope we get to see more of him in American cinema um, because more people need to see what this guy can do. If I read it correctly, this was his first American film after yes. being a just decorated, decorated film star uh, in Hong Kong. So thank you for, for coming across to us. He's, but apparently he speaks fluent English, as noted by this. Yep. I mean, he can flip on whatever accent he wants at any time. He was absolutely incredible. I agree. That's wonderful. Yeah, and they're, they're constantly in this movie flipping between speaking Mandarin and speaking English. And it's mm -hmm. very intentional when they're making that decision. And like you said, this, this, the flip switch, it felt so natural. Uh, if you've ever been a house in a, you know, had, had friends or 
maybe you are someone who's bilingual or grew up in a bilingual household. It just, yes, it felt so honest and genuine. That authenticity just jumped off the screen. It was really cool. Yep. Always impressive. Always impressive. Uh, I keep telling Cameron that we need to learn a second language uh, so we can secretly tell. Oh, each other I know notes. a second language. I know Ubby from Zoom. Are you familiar with Ubby What? <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> I have seen Zoom, but I do not remember Ubby <laughs> My f- uh, favorite, my favorite, my Oscar goes to the leading man, Mr. Simu Liu. Is that how you pronounce it? Simu Liu. But yes. Dang it. No, Simu Liu. Yep. Simu Liu. He's right over opposite way, as I'm pointing for our visual friends right over there, the star of the show, Mr. Shang Chi. He was great. I had low expectations for him. I did, unfortunately. Unfortunately. And there was, uh, I don't typically, I don't always go for the person who is um, the underdog actor. I don't always go for the performance that's the most... Um, not laid back, but the the most subtle. But I really appreciated what he did in this role. Um, he it was clear that uh, I mean he has some he has some uh, some you know uh, he's got a sheet right he's probably got over over thirty acting credits. Um, but he he's not been to the level as some of his other co stars have been just quite yet. And it was apparent that he was feeding off of them, but feeding off of them well. He wasn't getting thrown under the bus. He wasn't getting uh, swallowed. He was able to hold his own. And I really appreciated that he knew that he is the the key person in all of this. But um, what I love that he would also reflects uh, in Chinese culture is that it's not, it's not about you. It's about the family. It's about the culture. And he very firmly upheld that and very firmly was able to um, take care of, of his community, take care of his family when it came down to it. And you could see that in the reflection of his acting choices more than anything, uh, his restrictive choices uh, to, uh, to cry, to not cry, his restrictive choices to scream or not scream. He didn't have to be in your face about anything because he, he knows exactly who he is, even with the big secret at the beginning where it's like, yeah, I'm just I'm just a valet driver. And then all of a sudden he destroys about 30 different bad guys on a moving bus uh, in with without breaking a sweat. So absolutely incredible performance um, technically and um, not technically. Love it. It's a great choice. And I, I, you know, I wasn't choosing Simu Liu, so I'm so glad you did um, because I didn't want it to be like, like, I thought his performance was great. I really did. I, I, I just thought so many performances were great in this movie that I didn't get a chance to highlight it, so I'm glad we split the difference there because it's mm-hmm. one that, that deserves it. Um, all right, moving over to Scene Stealer. I'm going with an actor who is becoming one of my personal favorites right now, um, Aquafina. I, I love Aquafina and just about everything that she's doing right now. I think what she brings is exceptional. I think she's obviously an incredible comedic force, one of the best that we have um, in any, you know, in any era. I think she's she's absolutely hilarious and brings a charisma and a life to the screen and, and just a really, authentic, a really authentic charm that is just impossible to duplicate. Like, she just brings something that is just so next level to the screen that I'm always excited to see her on the cast list. But where she gets you, this is what's this is what's cool about her and what makes her a great scene stealer um, as an actor is that she has she she's not an actor with a ton of range, right? In in, in the traditional sense, she doesn't modify her voice very much between performances. She doesn't, you know, do accents and and 
at least so far in her career, has not really delved into those waters. But the reason that she is still a great actor and why she has done an incredible job and did an incredible job in this movie is she has this sneaky, um, I don't even know what to call it, but this authenticity and this heart that she can bring. She can give you a really honest, emotional response to things and, and can can switch seamlessly and very naturally from being the total class clown, you know, point of humor, the comedic relief to being a really serious, poignant, emotional focal point in a given scene. And to, and it makes the impact of those scenes so much greater because she is someone who you've been laughing with for the full, whole first half of the movie that whenever these scenes get serious and you see you know, the depth of the relationship and, and the development of the character. It's just like, ooh, it's really good. And this is why she received critical acclaim for her performance in The Farewell. Um, it, it's it's her ability to do this. And so while it's not a traditional transformative acting performance, you know, she is able to reach emotional depth that a lot of actors struggle to do. And she does it in a way that's so authentic that um, it just... It, it brings you into it. You can feel it in your heart and in your gut, and it's really powerful. So I had to go with Aquafina, who played Katie. Aquafina. By the way, I didn't mention her character's name. She is <laughs> she is Shang Chi's American friend. So she is of Chinese descent, but is you know was born in America, raised in America, is totally you know is not from China per se. So right. Uh, had to wonder at the at the finale, you know, uh, Aquafina most recently played a dragon. That's, in, uh, that's right. The last dragon, and then she's trying to kill the dragon, you know, the, yeah. the dragon, the evil dragon monster. I mean, I don't she's know, trying man. to help one dragon kill another dragon. So yes. it's like, wow. Pretty, con- pretty conflicting right there. I mean, that was her <laughs> last performance, basically. I know. Uh, Tough. Yeah. Good choice. Uh, I think Aquafina is a little polarizing. I lie in the middle of that. I'm not polarized by her. Uh, she has a, she had a great performance in the farewell, which got critical acclaim, a uh, fantastic film. Um, there are like, I think you're a big fan. I'm not a huge fan, but I don't hate her. I think she gets a lot of hate and I think that's unwarranted. I agree. You know? I think it's unwarranted. <laughs> I think people see the, the goofy YouTuber name and they hear her voice, which is, you know, very like, raspy different and and Um, and just like it's it's just out there you know it's like very in your face it's like something that's very loud and 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 percussive in nature so i think people hear that and they're just like ah you know but they they got you got to peel back the onion man you got to go layers deeper because she has a lot to offer and i will defend her to the ends of the earth kirk i will defend her I want to see you. My kids just finally watched uh, Shrek, and I want to see. I want to see like us in armor uh, fighting over, and I yes. want like Aquafina to be like the maiden, <laughs> and like, do you are you for her? Or are you against her? I will. I, want, I will defeat everyone and for her honor. <laughs> oh man! Or Braveheart. I want you to get like the long hair. Let's just go through every major major battle scene over <laughs> that was sure. fighting mainly over a woman, uh, Troy. You know what? We can keep going. Uh, so my scene stealer happens to be, and I looked up the pronunciation because I absolutely butchered our our uh, lead character. Let's hope I get this right. Mung Mung Er Jung. Yes, Mung Er Jung. Very beautiful. Good. Beautiful. She plays Simu Liu's sister in this film. The character's name is Shia Ling. 
Xiaoling. which is X- yep. X-I-A-L-I-N-G. I'm going off of a tweet from Mr. Simu, Simu Liu. Yes. I'm butchering this left and right. She plays the sister. Right. She is the, uh, if, if you will, the, the heiress to the Ten Rings should the dad ever die, right? And she... Uh, has not been in many things um, in uh, in her home uh, home country or here, and she was stunning as an actress to come out and just dominate the screen. Uh, I loved uh, from the from the first beat of hers as uh, in the in the Chinese culture uh, there is a lot of. Uh, it's all about the patriarchy. It's all about the men. It's all about the uh, carrying on their name and legacy and uh, lineage. And you see that she is forbidden uh, from being allowed to train uh, as her father is basically enslaving his son to train. And he doesn't really want to do it, but he does it. Uh, that's his dad. And thank goodness he did it because he saved the world at the end of this movie. Spoiler alert. Um, but the daughter, <laughs> Xiaoling, she... Uh, was able to train in, in the background. So no one was looking at her. So she'd watch from a distance and she had that rope thing with the daggers attached to it. I mean, like absolutely incredible. Um, her, her technical work in, in Kung Fu, her uh, skill as an actress was absolutely incredible. I was just captivated by her. Uh, and I hope that we continue to see her in many things to come, not just in the MCU, but to, to really see, you know, I like this to be a wonderful gateway to some of these actors that we haven't had an opportunity to witness before. Um, yeah, she she wins my scene stealer today. Yeah, her. I love this whole ensemble cast, so I, I just want to talk about all of them because I thought they were so great. Um, mm-hmm. Each one brought so much to to the to the film, but her um, facial expressive like expressiveness in this movie was next level. Just like mm-hmm. doing things that felt so unbelievably natural but are so nuanced that a lot of actors can't do it i was blown away there's a scene where her and katie so jolene and katie get separated into their own room when they're like back at the 10 rings headquarters and they have this conversation where katie's sort of like trying to figure out more about how you know she like started an underground fight ring when she was 16 and it's like a really crucial piece of character development and the way that she's reacting to everything katie says in that scene is just so incredible it's just like really well done really thoughtful and well executed and and she's mostly reacting with just facial expressions before she delivers her lines and it's just so good um so yeah totally agree mung or zhang i love that performance and glad that the uh post credit scene confirmed that she will be back in full force in future installments of the mcu and and you know potentially for sure sequel to shang chi whenever that eventually happens um yeah, very exciting, very exciting. All right, let's move on to uh, analysis of the film and the the more production technical side. So we're going to start with Showstopper. And for me, my Showstopper is, uh, it's hard to explain, but you know, at, at its most basic level, I would say it's the character development in the film. Um, but what I really like is how our director, Destin Daniel Cretton, who... Um, directed one of my favorite indie films of all time, Short Term 12, starring Brie Larson. Um, what he created here is really just a straight-up martial arts movie. And I have been loud about my love for that genre um, in the past on on this show. And the reason that I love the genre is because they know how to create 
these really dynamic character epics that follows a person through their life journey, tells that story with martial arts, but does so in a way that's deep and complex and creates a really well-rounded hero character. Well, the development of every character who was a major role in this movie was incredible. Even the, you know, the mother who is never alive in present day in this movie. She's only found in flashbacks. It's just insane. Like every character has a very specific purpose. They have a deep backstory. They have complex motivations and emotions and depth. And it just makes the story so much more rich. I mean, we have not seen this level of character development in the MCU, period. From it, from either a lead character or the entire ensemble in a solo film. We just have not seen it. I think the closest that we've gotten is probably Black Panther. Um, but the difference with that is that Black Panther has the benefit of having been in Civil War. So we get to see his backstory you know, of his dad being killed in the terrorist attack, and we get to see a little bit of who he is as a character so they don't have to spend as much time with his particular character um, traits and they can focus on Shuri and Okoye and Nakia and you know everybody involved in Wakanda. It's still great, but I'm just saying like Shang-Chi had to build that all from the ground up with no previous knowledge and it's just overall a lesser known character compared to Black Panther. But I thought the, the depth of the character was extraordinary and that the development was really well paced, was really thoughtful and just they all grew together as the film moved along and you didn't ever feel like oh, we were learning so much about that character, but then it fell off or whatever. Like they were all moving in such perfect tandem towards the same finish line and it just all resolved and, and paid off incredibly well. I, I was blown away by it. And I think that it's purely, uh, in my opinion, it's really just Destin Daniel Cretton, the director, looking at the martial arts genre and being a student of film and saying, this is how they build characters. We're going to take pages out of that book and we're going to make a straight up martial arts movie that just happens to be in the MCU. And that's exactly what they did. And it was stellar. Yeah, it, it's no it's no question that's mine too. The the martial arts, the the care for it. I, I have I know no martial arts. I don't intend to learn. But yes, I was uh, a ten year old boy watching Jackie Chan movies, Police Story, the whole series, Twin Dragons, Super Cop. Um, the list goes on. I've I've seen almost all of his. I, I would rent them from the grocery store over and over and over again. I love that they cited. Let's see, they've got uh, Crouching tiger hidden dragon kung fu hustle which is fantastic um tai chi master the matrix and it man and jackie chan films as it the man. influence on their uh, martial arts action in this movie it all shows it all shows yes. in such a wonderful way what a fantastic blend and that's why it's just next level i mean the the speed in which uh, simu moves in this film is unreal i don't even think there's any camera tricks i think that his level of training he already had about two or three different martial arts training under his belt and he went through rigorous training to learn about six more different styles to blend those together because if you are training to you know end the world with the 10 rings you need to know how to fight in every way shape and form and they did just that with their with their team um it's it's just next level it's it's uh it's martial arts on steroids that they were able to combine 
all of these different uh, forms and just make it look like they were all on steroids. And and mind you, Siva did not get powers to the end of this film, just absolutely owning and destroying everyone he came in contact with that was against him. Uh, absolutely incredible, incredible uh, throughout and that alone, this the the combat tells its own story, uh, which uh, I think people will maybe not be in tune with, but it really, really does. It tells you uh, again back to the culture. What are you fighting for? What's the purpose of this? And are you fighting to kill or are you fighting to disarm? There are all these different things, and why we, and why with the intent uh, when you fight or when you defend or when you kill, uh, all of this goes into play with with like the core. Uh, chi, if you will, of Shang-Chi and his, uh, his, po- his overall demeanor. It all ties back. You're exactly right. The, the character development uh, throughout this to describe, um, to, to start to finish, we get uh, in all the other intro Marvel films of our, of our big characters who get their solo films, we get snippets with anticipation of a second and third and fourth film but this one we learned the most in a very short amount of time, which was excellent. So martial arts, fantastic. Yeah, it's funny to think about the fact that like <laughs> in real life, Simu Liu is closer to being his actual superhero than anybody else. Like yes. Shang-Chi at at its most basic level, like that character is a is a martial arts master. And I think you could call Simu Liu that at this point as well based on all the training you were just talking about that he's been through like Mm -hmm. the dude knows his martial arts and was doing you know pretty much everything that we saw aside from commanding cosmic uh rings in this movie he was doing everything else i think he i think that was no special effects i think yeah he like actually has them yeah (laughs) yeah i think the only other character that we know that would have that would be tom holland because of his (laughs) just incredible dance and gymnastic background where he can just um he can just flip on command so They're the real, they're the real ones, the real heroes. <laughs> they are the real deal for sure. Okay, uh, moving to the other side and and some things that maybe we didn't like as much about the movie, our director's shoes. Um, so if I'm giving critiques to, to Destin Daniel Cretton, I think the big one for me is, um, well, first of all, I should just say this. The movie is extremely ambitious and, and goes from like point A to point B, the, the scale that they have to reach from point A to point B is astronomical. Like they go from this guy lives in San Francisco, parks cars valet and knows some martial arts. That's point A. Point B is he needs to ride on a dragon, kill a flying demon monster with the 10 rings and save the ancient Talo realm. Like preposterous amount of ground they need to cover to make that make sense, which they did. But here's here's an analogy, and it's probably going to be terrible because I know nothing about weightlifting. But here's what I here's what I'm picturing: like, you know, a weightlifting competition. They have to like lift this massive weight like a uh, straight over their head, right? Well, it's one thing to get the weight up there, but then you have to hold it, right? Or like it, it's it's kind of like almost if you're doing a pull up or something like flexed arm hang. Once you get up there, you have to hold it. And I feel like they scaled nicely, and I was like, okay, I'm buying it. We got the dragons. I'm here for it. I'm, I'm there. But then once they got up there, like the momentum kind of went. And I think that weirdly it was just cinematically that it didn't happen. So like as soon as the, what they, what they called like the, um, 
I don't know, like the chief soul sucker, the master soul sucker demon <laughs> thing that comes out. When he finally comes out from behind the dragon scale gate and the big fight's about to begin, you're like, oh, snap. But when that happens, the music drops out completely. It goes completely silent, which the effect there for a second is actually okay. But then it never really builds back up. And the music that they do add in is like not very percussive. It's not very loud and rhythmic. It's just like, very string oriented and just frankly just quiet it really was like i saw this on the loudest screen i could find and that scene just felt that final scene where simu is riding on the back of the dragon and, and is going to kill the demon monster it just was eerily quiet weirdly like it just didn't flow or fit and so that's why it feels like they scaled up and i was like oh my gosh you actually did it like i'm buying this this is working but then it felt awkward and weird because like Nobody was saying anything <laughs> like they're they're using cosmic forces to kill this giant demon and it's just like quiet. It, it's it's bizarre. Um, so that was it was hard to make that tangible. So hopefully that that tracked. But um, that was a big one. And the other thing for me that's more minor is the visuals. I think they do a really good job of setting the tone early with the fight between um, Shang-Chi's father and mother in Talo before they're married. Um, they, they set the tone of like, this is going to get weird and mystical and very, you know, crouching tiger, hidden dragon, martial arts style. There's going to be people sort of flying in the air, you know, running off of the wind, stuff like that. But then it's the other special effects that like weirdly fall short sometimes, like the stuff that should be easier, like the bus falling apart in that scene at times looks pretty, pretty bad, honestly. Like, um, and then there's there's a few parts in Talo where like the dad um, punches Simu or punches Shang-Chi into the water and the water splits and it just looks really artificial. So there are lapses where, you know, at one second, at one moment you're looking like, oh my gosh, the great protector, this giant dragon looks so great. But the next you're like, oh, they kind of flubbed that like very base, like much more basic thing. So just a little bit inconsistent there. But those are my two, those are my two major gripes. Excellent. I, I'm so glad you brought up that water punch because it is the worst shot in the movie. Yeah, it, it doesn't hands look down, good. Hands down. I mean, you have Abomination fighting Wong in this film, uh, which we haven't seen him in a long time. You even have him in the locker room, and you have you have the portals back. You have, you have so many things, but that scene, which those were all good things, but yes. you have opportunity for things to not age well immediately. And that just straight up didn't look good at all. It didn't look good at all. And I, I just question who was responsible for that shot. <laughs> oh man, it was crazy. Uh, so one of the biggest gripes I have with my director's shoes for this film is the use of flashbacks. And I believe that Black Widow had a very similar situation. They had a lot of story to tell in a short amount of time. However, We'll get to that. They had more time. They just didn't realize it. But the use of flashbacks, they got too cumbersome. It almost felt like a way out when they got to a certain point as a, oh, you know what? We need one more surprise right here. Let's tell them a brand new piece of information an hour and 45 minutes into the film. We've been using flashbacks, so we would have uh, foundation and grounds to use another one. 
but it doesn't work when you've used six flashbacks already. I think that there should have been a better way to tell that story. Now, you can reference a flashback you've already seen, but not a continuation uh, or an extended continuation that wasn't already pointed, right? So one of the one of the things you have when the mother uh, dies, she whispers something to uh, Shang-Chi. Well, we, get it. we didn't really get that there was any significance with that. And then you have like a, uh, a scene that's two and a half minutes longer when she's telling him, basically giving him his rally cry there at the end to kill the, the master demon sucker dragon. Uh, I just felt like things like that, they should have been um, clearer at the beginning to justify calling back to them or for continuously calling back to flashbacks. In Black Widow, we saw it with uh, with, with uh, Rachel Weisz and, uh, and ScarJo when they went back, when they flashed back to when they were in the house, uh, the mom's house, and all of a sudden they're like, hey, we made this plan. This is how we're going to trick them. We're going to mask up. We're going to switch people's, we're going to switch our outfits, right? Similar way that they gave us a little too much too late and I just think that, man, they were on such a good a good motion. And like you said, the momentum just kind of plateaued and stayed there for a while and then didn't rise again. So we wrote rose, 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 and kind of stopped and kind of stayed there for a long time. The music, I'm with you, it felt muted. So then we couldn't rise anymore. It was just kind of like punching at the ceiling to see like what else we could get out of it. And then the resolution was, was nice and tidy. Uh, so if I, if I stick to those, that's that one specific visual just drove me crazy. That water punch. (laughs) Absolutely. Dude, you got to watch the bus scene again too, because the bus, I was shocked at times at how bad the bus falling apart looked. I was like, come on guys, come on. Okay. And if I got to add one more, I will. The guy who played Razor Fist with the, uh, you know, he didn't have a forearm. He had different detachable uh, things. I mean, he's probably like a real MMA fighter or wrestler. I know. I actually didn't look into that, but I think you're probably right. And his acting, man, it was just not good. <laughs> it was not Yeah. And he good. got like very few speaking lines too. And then he had like a big, a big moment at the end where, yeah, right before he just gets like owned. And, uh, I was like, all right, that's, I'm fine with that. But I think he'll be back. Does he, he doesn't get completely annihilated, does he? No, no. He's, he's still with, um, Jolene oh, at the end. That's the, right. That's right. Rings, so he's yes. going to be like her right hand, I guess. No pun intended. He has, ah, he has hey. like a machete for an arm. So. <laughs> And it is his right, his right hand as well. So, there you go. Um, okay, good call. Let's let's jump into final thoughts and scores, so then we can dig into the wider MCU-related implications of this, which I'm very excited about. Okay, so Shang Chi, I you know I think there was a wide range of where this score, uh, not not too wide, but a point width range of where my score could have landed for this movie. But it gets extra decimal points for the fact that I just freaking loved it. I just thought it was so fun. And um, I think it was the scene where they're in um, Macau, you know, fighting on the outside of the building that yeah. I was just like, yes, cinema, blockbuster movies, smash mouth action sequences, well choreographed, well shot. I was just like, yes, please. This is so awesome. And I loved Talo, the the new world that they, inv- you know, introduced us to. I thought the world building was great. I thought, you know, so much of it was good. Don't get me wrong, not a perfect film, but just a really enjoyable watch. And I thought it really, really, you know, it exceeded my expectations of what they would be able to do with this character in its first movie. Um, 
it's just very exciting. It's very exciting as a fan of the MCU, as a fan of Marvel. Uh, I'm excited. I, I can't wait for the second movie and for his next appearance and, and you know, Katie's next appearance and Shaolin's next appearance. Like these characters made an immediate impact. The world building was excellent. It just felt like a really, really solid entry and, and, and the best first solo movie that we've had for a character in a really long time. So, um, it's getting an 8.8 .8 out of 10 for me. I, I just, I thought it was excellent. I thought it was really great. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, I came in, I was just giddy uh, over this movie. I remember sitting next to Cam and I said, dude, I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm jazzed about this movie. And uh, I, I, it held up, it held up as well um, in comparing it with other uh uh, origins this is a big one and it already has what's what's coolest about this is and we'll talk about it here shortly is how how big the world is already the way that uh, shang chi is entering the mcu with all these other factors at play that he can't just enter the mcu because things are in motion and that's the right choice we can't just ignore them to the fact that he is immediately interacting with big characters uh in the mcu interwoven with wong interwoven with abomination just you know fighting him and, and being buddies uh <laughs> outside of this world like hey come on let's head back you know um and then wong pulling him back in there at the end of the film uh to say hey we need you uh dr strange wants to chat with you there's so so many cool things that this film does that other ones have not had the opportunity to and i think it's smart that they didn't stray away from that that they continue to change the formula and in, a, in the biggest way possible they change the formula to meet the needs of the character and not meet the needs of uh, and of storytelling and not meet the needs of strictly advertising uh it's very easy that they could have done that and i think they've done it in the past but this one is a big win 8.5 out of 10 kernels for me love it Good choice, good job, good scores all around. You were, you and I were pretty much on the same page. I think it's worth noting that, speaking of formulas and speaking of advertising, um, they put a ton of budget behind marketing here. And, and and you know we we I think people love to say, oh, the marketing department. You know when a movie tanks, that the marketing department did you do a good job. What it really comes down to is how much money you spend on marketing your film, and. Kevin Feige and the people at Disney Marvel Studios, they said, listen, we're doing this thing fully theatrical and we're going to put a crap load of money behind this thing. We're going to do spots everywhere. TikTok, YouTube, traditional media, social media, everywhere. It was all over the place. We're going to tie in the Avengers, you know, so people know that this is MCU. We're going we're gonna to release scenes from the movie so people can see how cool it is. They just really got behind it, that all the actors were doing appearances on podcasts and, and mm -hmm. all kinds of different media. Um, it's just really well done. So I think the formula is there. People now know that if you spend the money, and I think, I think honestly, Venom has done a good job so far marketing their movie. Um, if you spend the money, the people will show up and it, they will make it happen. You can safely view movies. You know, we've been doing it for months uh, safely yep. and, and, and enjoying it. Um, so it's it's time for people to come back to the movies and to do so in a safe way. And Shang-Chi Shang just proved that it can be done. It can be done. And that's that's mm -hmm. very exciting. So, all right, Kirk. Let's get into the fun stuff. Let's get into the MCU. I've got a few things I want to talk about. But uh, the one thing we didn't talk about in our review regarding wider MCU implications is the big Mandarin retcon. So yes. for those of you who do not remember, 
In Iron Man 3, they intro- they seemingly introduced one of the biggest villains from the comics, a villain called the Mandarin, um, who has the power of the Ten Rings and all of these things. Uh, turned out that it was actually just a British actor named Trevor Slattery, and that the Mandarin was not real and was just a puppet for a different terrorist, you know, Aldrich Killian and, and all of that. Um at that time, fans, myself included, were outraged at the fact that one of the best villains had been written off of the MCU just seemingly like that in, in this, you know, gag sort of way. It's almost like the Ralph Boner thing that happened yes. with WandaVision. But I want to know, Kirk, with the way that they addressed it, bringing Trevor back, uh, you know, explaining the Mandarin situation in more depth via uh, Win Wu's little monologue about names and all that. With the way that they brought it all full circle, do you think it is a successful retcon and we can turn the page? Or do, are you still... Well, I guess just what are your overall thoughts on how they went about it? I thought it was well done. I really do. Um, I think uh, Wen Wu's speech at the dinner table was very calm, cool, collected. He he was very believable. He was just like, yeah, people call me whatever they want. You know, uh, he didn't go as far as to like say, you know, I'm, you know, they wanted to call me the boogeyman, but the Mandarin basically was kind of that that moniker yep. that he was. He was just a, a, a fictional horror fairy tale, and in his eyes, he was not. In his eyes, he's bringing order. In his eyes, he's uh, taking care of business the way he, that needs to be done. I thought that uh, Mr. Ben Kingsley, as uh, Trevor, this actor again, he did a great job again. <laughs> I don't see it being sustainable in the future, um, but I guess he might, you know, just pop up, just hang out in Talao, uh, Talao for for whatever reason. Uh, that might just be his new home. Maybe he'll give acting classes <laughs> there, uh, there, and, and hang out with his buddy Morris that he got to spend time with before he was about to be killed by the Ten Rings. So, I thought they did a good job. Uh, I'm interested to hear what you have to say. No, I honestly am a fan of it, and I, and I know why they can't really use the Mandarin in its traditional form because it is sort of a, you know, the name, the the depiction is a little bit behind the times, and so. They still gave us our Mandarin villain in the in the form of Win Wu, you know, same yes. same guy, the Ten Rings, all of it. So I was thoroughly pleased with that. Um, it made sense for his character arc to end at the end of this movie. It had to be that way, you know. Of course, I always wish that you know a villain as great as he was could live on, but it just it would not have made sense for him to live on uh, from a character arc perspective. So. I was pleased with it. And I was, I, you know, as much as I was like, I never want to see Trevor Slattery again on screen, the way that Ben Kingsley handled this performance and the way that they wrote him into the movie was frankly, just really smart and very funny and, and added another layer of uh, fun and, and charm to the movie that was unexpected and just really cool. So I really enjoyed it. All right, let's talk about, we've got two post-credit scenes on this movie. The first mm-hmm. post-credit scene shows Shang-Chi immediate, and Katie immediately after being pulled through the portal by Wong, and they're having a conversation about the Ten Rings with Captain Marvel and Bruce Banner. Um, mm-hmm. They're talking about the origin of the rings. They talk about how the rings appear to be older than what Shang-Chi was told by his father, older than you know, a thousand years old. They're talking about how um, whenever the, whenever Shang-Chi first put on the rings that they felt it in Kamartage, that Wong felt it. And whenever they analyze the rings, that there is, 
you know, some sort of pulse or communication going on with those rings. Um, do you think they're just building towards multiverse implications that this thing is, that these rings are speaking to a different dimension or a different universe? Or do you think that they're building to something else altogether? It has to tie in, obviously, with Doctor Strange because you have Wong immediately uh, popping in throughout this film and they talk about it being a beacon, right? So it's more scientific than it is mystical. Um, I don't see it leaning into Asgard. Um, I don't know enough about the Ten Rings to know if that's a place that that the Mandarin attempted to take over. Um, But I really do believe that they're just trying to give us uh, an immediate connection into Dr. Strange and the multiverse, but whether that means it, it goes like everywhere in the multiverse, I don't know who that beacon is reaching out to is what I'm interested most in. And if it's like super ancient, like obviously it's not, I don't think it goes to the ancient one. That'd be too easy, but I don't know. Could it be going to, well, since, you know, you got, uh, you got, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mordo, uh, played by Shibatel, Ejiofor, yep. for, um, it could be a beacon coming out to him because it's along the same science magic. Um, maybe he is older than we think he is. And obviously he's off the beaten path. I still think he has to return in some way, shape or form in the future. Cause he's too good to let go. Um, I'm interested most in what, who that beacon is calling. Yeah. Could it be calling the eternals? Stop it. I mean, in the sense that we know the eternals are thousands of years old, that they yes. have been here, um, that they only come into action for certain events. We know that, you know, from the comics that their job was to protect humanity and maybe that means equipping them with things they can use to protect themselves like the Ten Rings. I, mm-hmm. To be clear, I haven't read this anywhere. I'm just like totally spitballing. But it could have something to do with the Eternals. I think people would be maybe a little bit upset about that because we already know the Eternals are coming, so it's not like the payoff that you want. Um but it's interesting. Do you think Captain Marvel leaving, being like, hey, guys, I got to go, do you think it's related to the same beacon call or do you think it's totally unrelated? I think it's related to, yeah, I think it's unrelated. I think it's related to the Marvels uh, yeah. and what we'll see uh, her. I think that look, that hair length, of course, there's been lots of criticism there. Um, I think that that is her specifically going to that. And I think it's part of her running joke. Like she doesn't stick around for long. She yeah, just yeah. rolls out, <laughs> yep. um, which that joke didn't play very well in this credit scene, at least on our, on our viewing and the jokes that they, uh, the quips that her and Bruce have, they were very flat. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Did they play better on your second viewing with that audience? Yeah, a little bit. It was a it was a yeah. bit more crowded theater, but it wasn't like riotous laughter or or anything like that. Like people yeah. snickered here and there, but it wasn't anything special. Okay, cool. Uh, the so the other post credit scene that we got, like the after after credits <laughs> scene, is you know um, Shang Chi says something about oh, my sister's back, you know, shutting down my dad's operations. Well, it it turns out she's not actually shutting down his operations. She's ramping things back up and rebuilding the tin rings in her own image. Um, So first of all, my opinion was whenever they said they're waiting, I thought for sure it was going to be Val. (laughs) Like I, I was, I was for sure expecting Julia Louis Dreyfus to be there being like, Hey, Uh, I'm putting together a team and you're exactly the kind of person that I need. It wasn't, but 
the Ten Rings are are scaling up. Do you think our character Xiaoling has good intentions in mind for this organization, bad intentions, or really just her own intentions, ne- neither good nor bad? I think it's always been her own intentions. She's always been on her own, and now officially both of her parents are gone, so she's going to do whatever she wants uh, and take whatever she wants. She's been doing that her entire life already. And now her brother's, you know, back in the States. So she's effectively on her own again. She decided in her, in her, in her mind that this is what she was going to do no matter what. Um, so I, it's interesting because, you know, she definitely fought for the cause uh, of this dragon, taking down dad and taking down these crazy dragons. It's interesting to see that she would still continue on that route. So I'm interested behind the motive, obviously power, but why that kind of power with that team or are they steering us astray and she's going to just build them into a, a super, a superhero um, Kung Fu fighting team. Yeah. I mean, all options are on the table. I'm, I'm very intrigued. That was not necessarily what I was expecting from our post credit scene, but I was, I was intrigued for sure. Definitely intrigued and interested to see where it goes. I, mm-hmm. I agree. I think she's going to be a host unto herself and use this. Or I think there will be times where this organization has, you know, motivations that contradict what the Avengers are trying to do or more specifically what Shang-Chi is trying to do. But I think there will be times where they can be used as a resource as well, you know, a la the Wakandans and and that whole force. Because sometimes you just need bodies that are trained to fight. Uh, For these, you know, for these (laughs) Thanos-level threats, sometimes you just need people that you can throw at an army of demon monsters from space. Uh, And maybe that's, that's the ultimate role that they will play. But... We'll see. Two remaining things. One, we know the Ten Rings have an interesting past with regard to what they do to people's mindset, what that kind of power can do. Do you expect Shang-Chi to be using these rings in every fight going forward or only using them at certain moments uh, when the type of action needed is calling for them? Great, great question. Great question. I think he's going to be um, tactfully uh, caught by surprise so that we see just the bare bones uh, Shang-Chi fighting again. Um, but I think at most, I think he will try to wear them as much as possible so that they don't get stolen, so that they don't um, you know, get taken to take over the world. Because who's going to steal these? And I imagine whoever steals them next, because they'll probably try to be stolen, when they steal them, if they wield them, they won't be wielded like, like, uh, like Shang Chi. They're going to be like absorbed, most likely, uh, in yep. some kind of intergalactic way. I feel uh, so. In that regard, um, yeah, I think it's it's going to be a bit of both. Yeah i I feel like since they they put so much emphasis on like is he wearing the rings you know and him taking them off and you know choosing to age naturally or whatever i feel like he's going to want to leave them off as much as possible um but that there will be times where it's necessary and that maybe maybe shang chi putting on the ten rings is like uh oh it's go go time i mean i know that his his outfit uh, is a spoiler in and of itself because it cuts off here <laughs> so that there's room for five rings to fit on each of his, arm, yes. his forearms. So we always knew that he was going to get the rings because of that. But um, I, I don't know. I kind of think he will use them sparingly going forward. 
And I think maybe they don't have the corruption factor uh, because of his, uh, you know, he is of his mother and his father, right? Yeah, so and his the, aura changed the color of the rings and everything. Right, right, right. So the the purity and the innocence of uh, of what his mother stood for and the power that came from that, uh, I think that will hopefully protect him from becoming corrupt by wearing the rings. Yeah, I, I could see that. Okay, so the final question, I, I guess, is so the Avengers, and this is a difficult one because the Avengers are very different than they were before, but there are sort of tiers to Avenger-level heroes. In our new Avengers, which haven't really been formed yet, they're sort of scattered all across the board, we assume that Captain America, you know, Sam Wilson, will be involved as a high-ranking official in the Avengers. We assume that Captain Marvel will be involved as well, presumably Doctor Strange. Do you think that Shang-Chi is one of the characters that rounds out the core Avengers group for the remaining phases, or do you think that he is more of a Ant-Man type character who comes in for the big events, but is also doing his own thing. That's in sort of a totally different realm, you know, on the side um, and, and not one of the, the like core Avengers per se. I love that question as well, because we don't have a clear leader yet. We don't have, or like a top three that are going to be telling, you know, call, calling the shots. Thor obviously is one of them because uh, he's he's been there the, the longest. You would assume Doctor Strange just because of the implications of A, his age, and B, from the comic book lore. So who fills another top, top tier spot and who's always going to be around for the big guns and who's not? I think for phase four, I think he pops in and helps when it uh, when it affects his... Um, his strengths when it affects uh, his realm, uh, right? But I don't think we'll we'll have him fully realized, fully actualized until phase five, um, just as a guess. Yeah, yeah. It's and and there's nothing really wrong with being a tier below. You know, like the Guardians of the Galaxy are not core Avengers, but they are they are Avengers that you know they fight alongside the Avengers and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see how it plays out. I think I think. Fan reaction has been great to this movie, so if they go that route, they they certainly could. But I also think there's so much um, fun and and so much fun to be had in that other realm of like Talo and everything that's going on there that he could go the Ant Man Black Panther route and kind of just hang out in their own little realm, do their stories, but also help the Avengers when there's these huge threats. Um, It'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see. I can't wait to see what our new like core Avengers are. I want another New York City standing in a circle type scene with our new Avengers. And maybe we'll never get that because they they've moved beyond that. But I would love to have it, you know, just as a comic book nerd, I would love to have this core set of the like these are our Avengers, and then there's also the wider Avengers team as well. Like that's what I want. Selfish. I think we'll get that. I think we'll get that because it's it, you need to have familiarity. So you won't necessarily get the uh, the Michael Bay swing around, you know, <laughs> of the camera work of all of them. But I think you'll get something of that effect where we see them band together and it's clear like this is it this is the team this is where they're going to shut things down and not take it anymore um i think one of the other reasons why shang chi won't be part of the core um the core alliance of the avengers uh, as a pop-in 
instead in phase four is because he's young. They make, yeah. I think him as an actor, he's a little bit older than his role, but um, he, he's very young in, in character development and in age that yep. of, of their storyline. So someone of that age, unless they're, unless they're much more mature in their storyline, they're just not going to be that leader just yet. Yep. Just yet. But I can see a very cool, mature version of this growing on us, still keeping the core value of, of his humor and of his American life and his troubled past all together, all wrapped up in one. I think that's down the line, though. Yeah. And also, I mean, he's geographically located in San Francisco. So we've talked about West Coast Avengers on some of our Spilled Popcorn episodes. Um, we know Ant-Man is also located in San Francisco. Maybe there is a... Maybe there's room for a split off Avengers team. Plus we got the, the young Avengers assuming presumably coming into the fold at some point. So maybe there is the core Avengers, but then there's also these spinoff groups of the West coast Avengers, the young Avengers, um, et cetera, where there's room for everybody to have a starring role in their own group. And then they all come together to fight Kang or, or whoever else comes into the mix at some point. So Namor, you know, he's, he's fought in water. So I think <laughs> yeah. he could take on Namor. Absolutely. Um, all right. Anything else, Kirk, anything else you want to talk about MCU related or do we cover it all? Not at this time. I'm keeping it a secret. I love it. Play your, play your cards close to the chest here. We don't want to, we don't want to give away all our good nuggets just yet. Um, well, thank you guys so much for listening. That's all we've got for you this week it's good to be back uh, with big blockbuster franchises and movies to talk about and of course if you're if you're starving for more marvel content we got you covered over on spilled popcorn um, both the youtube series as well as the podcasts and uh yeah we'll be covering a lot of different things i don't know what we're going to be reviewing next week because we're kind of hitting a, a dry spell in terms of movies Maybe Kirk and I drag ourselves to the theaters to see the card counter, but we've been going to the movies a lot lately. Maybe we pack it in this week and and check out something on Netflix or HBO Max. If you have suggestions, as always, let us know. We would love to hear them. Uh, We're totally open to that. And also, if you want to chat with us about Shang-Chi or any of the other stories we talked about, you can always reach us on social media as well as our Discord server where you can join and chat with us there. But... For now, that's all we got. So we want to give a special thank you to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as our uh, the group Rhetoric, the band who created our original music, which you're about to hear right now. And we will be back this time next week. Talk to you then. 